If I'm like, okay, you have to use your practice management system for inventory, but then they hate it, that's not going to be a long-term sustainable solution. So it's like, how can we, you know, still manage inventory effectively, but not have it be like this soul-sucking process? Okay, hot take. Inventory managers deserve more respect. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show, a part of the FedEx Leaders Community Online. In each episode, we explore ideas and subjects you can use to manage your veterinary practice better and be a better leader. I'm your resident asker of questions, Brendan Howard, and today I talked to Nicole Clausen, who came up in the client service and practice management ranks in veterinary practices and found a special niche, inventory management. She consults, she sells cool printables, and she's even got a brand new software, Inventory Ally. So settle in and dive deep in the weeds, but also get into the big picture level of inventory. What do you offer, why, and how can you work around the headaches that show up with managing product? First, Nicole shares how and why she became an inventory guru. Okay, hot take. Inventory managers deserve more respect. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show, a part of the VetX Leaders Community Online. In each episode, we explore ideas and subjects you can use to manage your veterinary practice better and be a better leader. I'm your resident asker of questions, Brendan Howard, and today I talked to Nicole Clausen, who came up in the client service and practice management ranks in veterinary practices and found a special niche, inventory management. She consults, she sells cool printables, and she's even got a brand new software, Inventory Ally. So settle in and dive deep in the weeds, but also get into the big picture level of inventory. What do you offer, why, and how can you work around the headaches that show up with managing product? First, Nicole shares how and why she became an inventory guru. Okay, Nicole, you are kind of or really an expert in veterinary inventory. And I wondered right off the bat, could you tell me kind of how you got so excited and, you know, became a a really excited wonk about veterinary inventory? Sure. (laughs) Such a good question. So very like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I was working in practice, you know, I was a receptionist, I was a technician assistant, like, you know, kind of doing all the things. Okay. And I started a brand new practice. And they called me up before I started. And they're like, Hey, do you want to manage inventory? And I was like, Sure, why not? You know, <laughs> I got there. And my only training was, you know, to no fault of theirs, you know, it's just kind of the theme in vet med of when you shake a bottle, and it feels low, you order it. <laughs> okay, that's right? one way. <laughs> right. And so I remember standing there in the pharmacy, and I'm like, what? Like, what does that actually like? What? I don't, it did not compute. I was like, I need like a number something. So in my early days as an inventory manager, and I'd use that term very loosely because I struggled in the beginning, it was kind of a lonely experience. You know, I was the only one managing inventory. Nobody else in the practice really knew how. And I was like on the struggle bus, like, all the way. And so I like learned everything that I could from, you know, human health care, the little resources there were about, you know, managing inventory and vet med, supply chain management, like you name it. And I started to like get traction and started to have these big wins. And it was like 
such a huge sigh of relief for me. And I realized, you know, what an impact having this big giant bear of a monster of inventory can have on not only the inventory manager, but the practice as a whole. And I just realized kind of there wasn't a great support system for inventory managers. And it was just kind of really lacking in all the areas. Can I ask about this? It's so interesting that, I, I mean, you, they handed this job off to you and they didn't really, it sounds like nobody there really had a handle on it when you showed up. And so they kind of didn't know how to do it. And they figured, well, you'll know how to do it. Did it really feel like nobody had strong opinions about the bottles, the products that were on the shelves, and they really didn't care as long as whatever they kind of went looking for was there. Nobody had strong opinions about that. So you really kind of felt totally alone. Like, I'm just kind of left to like, figure out how much needs to be here and everything? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so, <laughs> they really did just leave you to your own devices. Yes, and because it was like such a period of transition because not only was I brand new to the practice, but the practice, like I think a couple weeks later or, you know, it was so long ago, I can't remember exact timeline, but it also had been sold to new owners okay. who had never owned a practice as well. And the team that was there, they were, you know, really focused on patient care as they should be. So there wasn't really any inventory knowledge between us. And so it was an adventure to say the least. But then that also meant when you tried out these things and saw success, it kind of felt like this was like your baby. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So then, you know, Kind of fast forward a little bit, you know, I was helping other practices in my area because they had questions. And then actually an MWI rep, she, which we're still dear friends to this day, she was like, hey, why don't you come speak, you know, on inventory management? And I was like, yes. And that, from that experience, it just totally lit my soul on fire. And I was like, oh, this is what I meant to do. Like, I want to like teach people and watch those light bulb moments happen. And I want to like be there in their corner so they don't have to feel like, oh my gosh, this is so harrowing. I'm like treading water and I can barely keep up. So that's kind of where it all started. <laughs> Does it feel like, so you kind of set inventory manager was a compartmentalized job at that practice you started out at mm -hmm. and you took that job. Is that most of the people who come to you now or is it a wide mix of people who's 20% of their job is inventory management, 30, 40%, or is it the people who were like 95% of my job is inventory management? That's why I'm coming to you to figure this out. Yeah, I would say so, you know, when I was an inventory manager, I was also the lead receptionist. So, okay, and that's I another also, job. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I also did a lot of the social media marketing. So, and I was also a technician assistant. So I was like all <laughs> over the place. Okay. And so, uh, but I would say, like, in my experience, most people are also, they wear, like, all the hats, right? They're the fix-it of the, you know, of the practice. So they're, like, fixing the equipment and maintaining that. They're, you know, answering phones. They're seeing appointments. And so it's, like, this wearer of many hats. I found a smaller percentage of, you know, just the people that I've met are full-time dedicated inventory managers. And it's very interesting, right? Because some people are like, I'd be happy if I never had to manage inventory ever, ever, ever again. <laughs> and then others are like, I love it. Like, this is amazing. I only want to be an inventory manager. How do I make that happen? So it's kind of fun to see the differences there. 
are there across that spectrum of people who just like, oh, I have to do this. If I never had to do it again, anything you can do to help me spend less time on this, that's what I want. And then another person's like, no, no, I want to get to the third level, the fourth level, the fifth level of making this amazing. And I want this to be all the thing. Do they all share common concerns or are they very different concerns based on what kind of practice they're at and what their role is? Sure. So I, I think the folks that like really never want to, you know, touch inventory ever again, they right. want to find the easiest time, like less time as possible yeah. method for it. But also so do the folks who only want to manage inventory, but they really want to go more into like key performance indicators. And they really want to like delve into this path of continuous improvement and like, how can we bring this to like the next level? So I yeah. think everyone is kind of looking for how do I make this as simple as streamlined as possible? But then it's kind of like, what do we do after that is kind of where the two paths diverge. Do you feel like you came up with a system that works for you and you've been fine tuning it and tweaking it ever since and that's the system you bring to people or do you go in and very specifically look for wherever the holes are in their system or whatever their concerns are and then only present that to them? So do you kind of bring a whole system and say you should do these seven things or are you like oh you have problems with one thing well let's just work on the one thing. Yeah so that is a good question. So I feel like with inventory management there is like I don't know how many pillars, but there is like several foundational concepts that will okay. really never change no matter what practice you're at, you know, kind of like demand forecasting, ordering, you know, kind of like these big rocks of managing inventory. But within that, I feel like there are systems and processes that I adapt new unique to that practice, right? I feel like it's never beneficial for me to just be like, you have to do this, wah, 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 wah. Right. It's more like, okay, this is what we need to do. Here are the steps and processes we're going to do to help get you there. But, you know, because a practice who's a very rural one doctor cattle practice in the middle of Montana is going to manage inventory and think much differently than a specialty center in the heart of a metropolitan area. So it's like, how can we take these very foundational concepts of inventory and apply them to their unique practice and their unique practice culture to the way that it's sustainable, you know, in long term. Right. Is there one common problem that you feel like runs across the gamut of, of the people who come to you with need for help, with need for guidance? Is there one that sort of crops up? You mentioned there are pillars. Is there one pillar that oftentimes stands up as this is the one that's usually shakiest and this is the one we work on first? Yeah, I definitely think the concept of how much to order and how much do I keep on hand, because a lot of times it ends up being like a very reactive process, right? So they're like, ah, I ran out of all this stuff, like, let's order a bunch or like, you know, getting panic texts on the day off. And they're like, oh, yeah, just order. It's fine. It'll be fine. It'll all be fine. Right. Or thinking like, oh, hey, we always have five bottles of ear cleaner on the shelf. Let's make sure that we always have these same five. Yeah. And so I think kind of like shifting from thinking about it in terms of how can we you know, use the data from our unique practice to kind of forecast and quote unquote predict what I'm going to need to order. Because, you know, I know when you're in practice, it's like, there's no way that this could be predictable. Like the demand is all over the place. Yeah, it feels like that. 
Right. But actually, you know, when we look at it over a period of time, there are some trends that really start to emerge. So it's kind of about capturing that and just understanding like, okay, we probably don't need to have like 57,000 of something and like one of another. So it's like we have balance. <laughs> you know, it was interesting when I saw your kind of you come up and start popping up in the past couple of years, kind of pushing on inventory management. I thought it was super interesting because nobody, I think, talks exclusively about that. And it's exactly that pillar you mentioned is really the one everybody talks about the most, which is how much do we want to have on hand? And I used to look at it from a sort of practice owner, veterinary economics look, which was you don't want to have all that inventory because it means you spent money on things that aren't moving out. So it's stopped. It's money that you spent and isn't coming back in if the stuff just sits there on the shelf and then if it expires, you have to throw it out. That was the worry. We're going to spend money on inventory that's going to become outdated, age out. We're going to have to throw it away. Mm-hmm. That seemed like the big thing. How hard is it to get this data you're talking about? I've heard all kinds of things like, you know, I think you're talking about going into the software to look for it. How many practices do you run into where either people are pulling what you would consider the right reports to get that answer? Or how many people are running it so that the inventory is hooked up to the practice software? So when you come in and say, we're going to make better decisions about this data, they can actually get that data. Yeah. So kind of a several things to unpack here. So let's kind of start with the reports, right? So the nice thing is, even if you're not using the inventory module, usually, and I'll, you know, not always, but usually, (laughs) the reports will be fairly accurate because that's typically how we charge our clients, right? So even if you don't even have never even touched the inventory module, like you don't keep track of anything, even if you have it set up to charge for your clients, a lot of times it can be accurate-ish, right? You know, maybe if you don't charge per mill by injectable, which is, I always highly recommend charging by the mill, not just one flat cost for the injectable. Um, But that's kind of another thing for another day. But um, (laughs) (laughs) typically, your usage reports will be fairly accurate. If they're not, though, you can always start with using a report from your distributor or from Vetcove or something like that for your purchase history. Now, I always say that with a little bit of caution, though, because if you have overordered in the past, it will kind of perpetuate that overordering if you just use your purchase history data. But you can start there, right? Like if you have zero information from your PIMS, you can always, you know, start with the order history and, you know, kind of iterate on that process. So you could start with the order history of what you're ordering in, or you could look at your if any, even if you're not closely looking at the mills on an injectable, you could look at the output and say, well, we dispensed this many of this. So that tells us how much we're using in a week or a month or six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Of the inventory module. So if you start there, if that's like a first step for a person who's trying to get their a handle on it at the start, what is the next step? What are the two things you ask them to link first? Like, could you please just link the you know, your output, what you're charging people for to what's sitting on the shelf? Where is it? Or is it the purchase coming in and sitting on the shelf? Where's the link that you try to hook up next? Yes. So I definitely think it's like, let's get your practice management system fairly accurate, right? Because a lot of times your practice management system is a huge expense for most practices. And so it can be a really helpful tool for inventory. 
But it's just about how do you kind of navigate that software. And so, you know, if you have like inventory items, right, like your gabapentin, your cephalexin, those are being dispensed all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those can be set up fairly easily. But then you also have services and procedures that include inventory items, right, like a vaccine. So you can hook up and link your service or treatment code for that vaccine to the actual inventory item. So it pulls one out every time. And that'll allow you to not only kind of track your usage and how many you're selling of those vaccines, but it also helps you to keep your on-hand value accurate for that item. And when that happens, you know, at the end of the year, you know, there's always like this huge disruptive process where people like shut down for like three days to do an inventory count. Okay, right. But if we kind of maintain an accurate thing throughout the year with, you know, different tools, then it becomes like a lot less disruptive of a process. And we don't have tons of inventory missing. And, you know, there's just, I could go on and on about the benefits of it. But (laughs) I think really just kind of unlocking some of those keys and secrets in your practice management system can be super helpful. So yeah. So obviously, there are some practices that I don't, there's a possibility somebody could bring you in and they're they don't track very well the stuff that's going out the door with the clients. They don't track very well the stuff coming in. They just kind of fly by the seat of their pants. They always have. It's always worked out. Everything's fine. Do people push back on, oh my, we have to run reports? I mean, are there practices that that there's kind of no one there who likes to run PIMS reports? It's one thing to do medical records, but nobody wants to look through the financial stuff. Or is there always <laughs> someone there who's excited about it? So sometimes there's like somebody who's like, I think I might be interested in this. And it just takes (laughs) like a little bit of like nudging of like, hey, it's okay if you like reports and to nerd out with spreadsheets. Like, (laughs) it's okay. But there are some people who are like, this is horrible. This is awful. Don't even put it in front of me. And then, you know, we make adjustments from there. Because again, it's like, if I'm like, okay, you have to use your practice management system for inventory, but then they hate it. That's not going to be a long term sustainable solution. So it's like, how can we, you know, still manage inventory effectively, but not have it be like this soul sucking process. Today's show is brought to you by Vetex International. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar, or apply, visit vetexinternational.com forward slash leaders. Okay, welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed part one. Let's get into some more meaty content to help you grow your practice in part two. 
Do people feel overwhelmed? So to me, I would think, oh, it'd be wonderful if you could get the practice management software, if you got the purchases coming in and the charges going out and it, it was all hooked up perfectly. But sometimes for whatever reason we've established, some people don't want to, they don't like doing all the reports. They don't want to look at all the steps in the process. Is it totally automated where if somebody was like, once you set it, you can set it and forget it with when it comes to inventory management. Or you were like, no, no, don't get that in your head that you can do that. I wish it was. I wish I could tell you that, but it's not because, you know, we're always like, we're changing doctors, we're adding new doctors, we're growing, we have different team members. And so I think if everything stayed the same in our practice all the time, yeah, then maybe inventory could. But at the same time, I feel like we don't want to always stay the same. We don't always want to like, because that means we're not growing and changing and thriving and innovating. So I always look at it like if you are needed to make changes to your inventory, it's probably a really good reason. And it's probably kind of a blessing because that means that your team is growing, your practice is growing, like you're rocking with your clients. Like, so I feel like usually, I mean, it could be the opposite too, but (laughs) I like to be optimistic. You have to make changes because your practice is horribly contracting. Right. 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 So I'm like, okay. So I wish I could say you could set it and forget it, but it's kind of an inner process. But once you have like these foundational concepts set, like let's say you have reorder points set, you have reorder tags set, you have a system for your expiration dates. It's not like a huge kind of overhaul. Usually you have to do like a major overhaul with your inventory like once, ideally. And then you can kind of just do small course corrections from there. Have you heard in the past year, year and a half with COVID, do the people who are having to manage inventory, are they more stressed, the same stress, less stressed? Have they, have been more demands put on the people doing inventory and so inventory has gotten crazier? Or I don't know, maybe the clients aren't coming in the door for a period of time. So that means you can focus more on the computer screen time. I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah, so I think there's been a number of changes with curbside and COVID. So biggest thing that I've seen is some major supply chain disruptions in more back orders than I've ever seen before. So that in and of itself has been super frustrating. A lot of teams are short staffed. And so, you know, inventory managers who used to have like dedicated time to managing inventory, they're not seeing that anymore. You know, they might have gotten their time shortened or, you know, they have to like manage inventory in between appointments, which you know, if you're a big practice, you're talking about, you know, your annual purchases are like a million plus dollars a year, you know, like this is something we have to have spent a little more time on than just between appointments. I feel like that's mentally shifting gears. I mean, you're talking about, so if you're doing patient care stuff as a vet tech or a vet assistant, or you're doing client facing stuff at the reception desk to shift gears back to, I have half an hour to look through the reports and I'm only going to get 10% through, but I just really got to maximize this 10% time. Like, I don't know that that mental gear shift must be hard. Oh, yeah, it's huge, right? Because you go like, you're thinking about like, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like it's two complete opposite sides of your brain, right? You have one that's like, very (laughs) like, scientific focused, or maybe like client focused or, but then to like shift into inventory, it's like, 
kind of like, ah, so it can be really challenging and disrupting. And we, you know, we go back to like this multitasking, you know, I think like, okay, I'm trying to place my order. I'm figuring out what I need. Oh, can you hold a dog really quick? Oh, you know, okay, (laughs) let me go back to this. Oh, wait, can you answer this phone really quick? It's like, you know, it's like, whoo. So I always recommend like that dedicated inventory time, even it's just a short amount of time to like, let you like zone in and focus, you know, because that focus is really needed for inventory. Yeah. If somebody isn't dealing, if they're not dealing with a specific problem, if they kind of generally, they feel like the inventory is out of control, obviously they could come to you. What other resources do you think they might go to? I mean, should they go to their distributor first? Should they go to the PIMS people and ask them for information on that module that they ignored when they got the practice software four years ago? Where do you kind of tell them, this is a good starting point. Yeah, so definitely reach out to your distributor rep, like who's ever your favorite or whoever you have like a close relationship with. They a lot of times can be a really big ally and resource for you. I know when I started, you know, my MWRI rep, she was just so beneficial to me. And, you know, even that's also to say like your inside sales reps, they can be really great for building a relationship with when there are back orders to like learn about promotions. So they can be a really great resource. And then definitely learning about the inventory module in your software system. Now that's to say sometimes um, some of the bigger softwares may not fully understand how to use it as, as well. So just like, Sometimes if somebody doesn't quite know what you're talking about, ask for somebody else because I've definitely had that happen. Because the inventory module might be, that's like a little deeper level than the average person who has to answer your phone question or email question might know off the top of their head. Yes, exactly. You know, so if you have maybe somebody who's like newer to the team and they're like, oh, I don't really get this questions a lot, you know, that might be question for somebody else. And then I also, you know, I have two free like communities that people can join as inventory managers. So Uh that's a really great place to like get connected with other people. What else is a really good? Oh, if you have like local area practice management groups and you're like a practice manager, you know, I know they a lot of times will have like local meetups and stuff like that. So you can kind of like interact and learn and grow, you know, with other practice managers, you know, in your area. There's a lot of other Facebook groups about vet med, so that's a good one. So yeah, those are kind of the ones I can think about. Are people squirrely? I know sometimes at the very top, sometimes practice owners are squirrely about talking about their absolute bottom line or how their revenue. They, I mean, they don't like running around telling everybody how much revenue they make. Does anybody ever feel nervous about, so if they go out to these Facebook groups and, and things like this, are people real cagey about talking about specifically about, uh, we have X amount of expired, or I had a problem with, you know, revenue was up or down, blah, blah, blah. Or is that kind of, everybody's kind of comfortable talking about that stuff? I think it kind of depends on the group, maybe. Okay. I know for me, it's been a really like important thing, just like growing the community to make sure that everyone feels safe, that if they want to talk about it, they can. And I also have people message me and they're like, hey, can you post this anonymously? And I have no problem doing that. So one of my communities is not on Facebook. And it's a little bit more, I don't want to say like, it's just like exclusive isn't the word, like that's not the right word, but it's like kind of more dedicated to inventory, if you will, whereas Facebook is Facebook. Yeah, right. 
anybody he can come in and out you kind of have it open to everybody to sort of drop in as long as they'll follow some basic rules yes exactly and so i think the other one they're a little bit more open to talking about that but it is kind of a little bit nerve-wracking because there's a lot of shame that comes up right we think we should be able to do this but we're not quite getting there and you know if you're listening you're like ooh i feel like i should be managing inventory but i'm not so great I just want you to keep in mind that this is a really common struggle in vet med and you're certainly not alone. It's just a very common experience. And so, you know, whatever that community looks like for you, you know, find your people, find that support system where, you know, you can talk about these things too, you know, because that's how we grow and get better, I think, is just recognizing like, hey, I think something can be better here, but I'm not quite sure how to get there. I want to ask you two emotion questions. So, and I'll start with the one you just mentioned, which is sometimes people might feel shame about the problems they're having. I wonder if some of that comes from obviously veterinary medicine, highly complex, mm-hmm. high, high level stuff. And then inventory management. I mean, I could see people's attitude being, oh, this must be easy. What? It's bringing stuff in, sending stuff. This is like, look, they do this at retail stores. How complicated could this be? If we're having any trouble with it, I mean, how hard could this be? Where does the shame from your perspective and what you've seen, where do people seem tentative about bringing up issues or they seem to have some guilt surrounding inventory management? Yeah. I think just like knowing or thinking that they should know what to do, you know, because okay. like completely to your point, right? They're so like highly educated, you know, just so much like knowledge and skill and talent, you know, and then the, here's like this thing, right? This like inventory that's like this, like, you know, it's like this little force of evil, like running through their practice, you know, and it's like, but wait, I can like do this super complex surgery on this dog and then the next second see like iguana and i like have it but this little inventory issue i'm like i can't seem to get it down right they walk by the shelf and they're like every time i go by there's not enough of this or too much of this how come we can't solve this isn't just buying less or buying more why is this an issue right 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 exactly and so it's like okay first of all like you know we're human so unfortunately we can't be perfect so you know (laughs) We struggle with that. But then I think it's like, you know, you aren't taught inventory management in vet school or very rarely vet tech school or really any kind of schooling ever. And so, you know, I just always tell people, like, give yourself a little bit of grace. Like, nobody is kind of born knowing how to manage inventory. So, you know, (laughs) if I can do it, you can do it. So there's the good news there. So the other emotion question I wanted to ask, you know, we talked about these groups and obviously in some of these veterinary groups, some of them are better. And it sounds like you're one that's a little smaller and has more trust built up, feels better and people are more understanding and more forgiving. In other places, people kind of go off on rants. Do people get ranty in your inventory management things about this distributor doing this, this corporate chain doing that, this pharmaceutical company not providing this, blah, blah, blah. And then how do you kind of, does that come up a lot? And then how do people, do people manage it themselves? Does it seem unfair, their criticisms? I mean, where do you stand on all that? (laughs) So I I only laugh because yes, (laughs) the answer is yes. So people definitely get ranty for sure. And it's usually about like distributor versus distributor. But the biggest one is online pharmacies, the, you know, the different online pharmacies. If I see a question about the online pharmacies, I have to preface it with, hey, y'all, be nice, be kind, (laughs) like, don't let it get it out of hand. Because I have like, 
you know, I'm like working or I'm like on site with a client or like, you know, doing something. And all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up, you know, and I'm like, what is happening? And like, I go to my Facebook group and there's like, you know, just like notification after notification. And I'm like, all right, we're closing comments. Like this is over. I think that happened like once or twice. And then I was like, okay, we cannot be doing this. So But online pharmacies is a huge hot button. And then probably the second hot button is distributors. And you don't have to come up. And obviously, then the online pharmacy thing sometimes gets wound up in distributors because some distributors are tied in more closely in some ways and some aren't. It all gets very complicated out there, I think, in the landscape. For online pharmacies, that is a touchy thing about sending off your prescriptions to an online pharmacy. You're going to lose that money. Should you have your own online pharmacy? When you go in, do people ask you for advice about online pharmacies? And if so, do you give uniform advice? You try to avoid it and say, look, every practice is different. How do you handle the topic of online pharmacies when you have to talk to people as your voice, not just like trying to like keep the people measured on your community? <laughs> right. Yeah. So online pharmacies really do have their place, right? Because so many of our clients, if not all of our clients really expect it at this point, right? They want to be able to order things online from the convenience of their own home when they are like running out of the dog's food at midnight or something like that. Right. So our clients kind of expect it. And so my thought, especially like starting I started as like in a client service role. And so like, that's what I think about, you know, first almost is like, how can we meet our clients where they're at? And I think that is with online pharmacies, but there's a lot of things to consider, right? Like I don't necessarily think that everyone should give away all of their inventory, you know, to online pharmacies, because that means there's a significant drop in profit margins. And a lot of times their inventory, whether they like to admit it or not, tends to be a revenue center. So it's like, we have to consider like all these little pieces. And so sometimes I just like to help them say like, okay, here's like some considerations, right? You know, who are you going to use it very frequently? You know, what type of things are you going to do? Is it going to be for special orders or for food or chronic refills? I try to like help them just think through that process of what might work the best for them, because there is a lot of decisions that kind of go into it rather than just saying like, "Ah, I'm over inventory, give it all away, right? (laughs) That wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show. It was an honor to share it with you. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends in veterinary medicine about us. Want a little more? You are in luck. An extended version of this podcast is available exclusively to our leaders community. You can learn more at vetxinternational.com. And until next time, I just want you to know... I appreciate you.